Welcome to Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Team Corker, every week featuring a remarkable or astonishing person. And this week, we are so thrilled to have Emily Key straight from the land of 416. I was going to say the land of Drake, but maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, (laughs) Welcome, Emily. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it breaks my heart a little bit that you're not in Vancouver anymore. Um, oh, and... same. Don't tell anyone, but same. Uh, so Emily and I actually met in Vancouver, and shortly thereafter, she accepted a very exciting gig with Shopify, which involved relocating the entire family over to the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> sigh. Insert sigh here. <laughs> how, how, how did that go? It's still going. It's uh, it's quite a process. It's an adventure. We are all trying to be really positive, and I think we're all really excited about exploring a new city. It's the admin stuff, right? It's the paperwork and the damage and the planning and setting up shop, all while still, you know, maintaining your life, the the normal pace of life. It's like the whole, you know, changing the changing the tires on a car while it's moving. Um, right. so it's, it's going, <laughs> I just, I mean, if you don't follow Emily, you should follow Emily on the world of Instagram because she is hilarious. And, um, if that is what changing the tires on the car while moving looks like, you're doing a really good job. <gasps> oh, is it, I love a pep talk. Steph Corker pep talk. <laughs> that's all I, that's all I got. That's all Keep I got. Keep going. Tell me more. Oh, darn. No, okay. Follow Emily's <laughs> stories. It's, it's wild. I think, uh, we, do you know, to be honest, not to like start it off on a Debbie Downer note, but it's very lonely. It feels very lonely to move away from, I spent the last 10 years in Vancouver to move away wow. from everything we know and love there, even just physically, even though you're still connected extremely digitally and can, and can be on the phone and FaceTime and, and, you know, like everybody's Instagram, it's not the same. It's, yeah. it's very isolating, but we'll, we're making a very purposeful effort here to meet lots of people and, and get out and about. So we're, we're avoiding our introverted instincts. And in the world of isolating 10 years in Vancouver, 10 years in tech in Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to bring you on the podcast because I wanted to know about what it's like being a woman in this tech world. And the first word, word that came up for me is, hey, is it lonely? And, and maybe it's not. And I want us to preface that this isn't meant to be Debbie Downer. It's just meant to be real talk of, <laughs> tell me, tell me what it's like. I, the, the kind of first words that come to mind, it's a great question. And I think there's so much chatter about the topic right now. And, and that's a good thing. I do think it's a great thing, even though a lot of the news about it is, is bad. Um, it's, I find it, frustrating and so let me start with the disclaimer that I don't speak for everybody I definitely only speak about my own experience I have I chat a lot with other women in tech and and each of them have their own very personal experience um but my own I found it um frustrating uh and and exhausting because while we're still trying to be excellent we're also uh, trying to fix a, a system, mm. uh, but in but but in that regard, it's truly exciting. And I should have said that one first. I should have started there. It is exciting, and in that excitement, 
it becomes, it can become frustrating or, or very exhausting, but, um, you know, it's, I, I can say how it is for me, but I could also tell you that, you know, the, the quit rate for women leaving tech is like 40% and for men, it's only 20%. So it's, so it's yeah. twice as high for women, that quit rate. And I think that can demonstrate a lot of the, the attitude and you want to tough it out, but, but also you can get really beat up. Yeah. Um, but I think it is very exciting you there's a lot of opportunities people are becoming aware you know you know this concept of mantles <laughs> you know <laughs> papa like, where are they where are the women where are the women speaking where are the women being published um where where are the female execs you know i remember looking for um the last time i was looking for the next opportunity and and people would ask um or i would interview and if they had an entirely male executive team, I was not interested. And so people are making decisions now. Women are making decisions and men are making decisions based on um, a different set of parameters, I think, including other people's attitudes um, and how they demonstrate those attitudes towards, towards women in technology. That was a very long rant. Well, this is an exciting rant because I think it's important that we can speak candidly about this and learn something from it. So um, you've, you've also mentioned like, Hey, don't call me as the token female. And yet it feels, you know, really though, it's yeah. like, well, we've, we've got to call someone and, and how do we switch that mindset instead of it feeling like, Oh, you're the token female too. You might be the only woman I know who can rock this panel or yeah. who I can publish. Um, but I feel like you're not alone in that women do have a little bit of a, I mean, I don't want to say a chip on your shoulder, but it's like, it doesn't feel awesome. You feel like I'm being invited yeah. because I'm a woman versus I'm being invited because I'm actually a huge contributor and I have a lot to add to this discussion. That's a really great summary. That last line you just said is a very succinct and eloquent way to put it. I totally agree. I also think we just need to get over our self-doubt and right. just roll with it and, and, right. and assume best intentions and assume that we are there because we're competent and capable because we are. Right. So we just yeah. need to get over that. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's just an attitude adjustment. And I was thinking too, you know, there's so many great things out there. What is it the someone introduced me to Cassie from, from PwC had mentioned, um, the board list. Like there's all these great resources where they're collecting uh, <laughs> binders of women. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a great reference for, for people who are going out and seeking, saying, I need women for this. I need, I, I'm looking to have more people of color involved in this. I think it's great people are asking those questions and, they, and, and props to them for, for looking to broaden that uh, that kind of that group that they have for whatever purpose. I think we have to start somewhere and it's a great way to do it. Ask, ask, you have to ask and you might look silly asking, but at least you're asking. Keep asking. All right. So you say ask, I hear you. Women can ask. Uh, I also want to know how women can continue to show up. And I, I want to disclaim this. I feel so silly that we're still in this conversation. I mean, it feels like, are we still talking about this? And the truth is we are because 
exactly what you said. You're still interviewing or were interviewing and talking to organizations that have full male leadership teams. And that's just not right. So when you are showing up as the token leader at the table or as perhaps one of very few females at, this ta at the table, um, I want to know the advice. And maybe it's, you know, one or two nuggets from Emily on how women can be perfectly themselves uh, among a sea of, of men, of male leaders? Oh, that's a hard question. The, there would be several opinions on this and I will give you just mine because I think there are a lot of people who, a lot of really well-known and successful women who are very alone in their field as a woman um, amongst men who would argue that you should blend in and do what you can to blend in. And I'm more in the camp of you should be unapologetically yourself. Um, but I do think I'll get to my nuggets. I just think it clearly hasn't worked so far. You know, VCs are investing, you know, one and a half billion in women led companies and then male companies are getting like 60 billion in investments. I think that was 2016 or 2017. And, and so something needs to change. And I think it, we would be short sighted if we just said, well, we should just remain the same. We should just be unapologetically ourselves and the world will shift around us. Mm. Uh, do you know what I mean? And I yeah. think, so that's a really hard question to answer. I do think at work every day when you're there, there's two main things. The first thing is know your strengths. I am a huge believer in strengths-based leadership. I think it is a very powerful tool to know what you are good at and then do what you're good at. If you are an extremely... Um, strategic person or very um, strong with interpersonal relationships or communicator and you're more weak on analytics or um, you're less detail oriented it's important to know those things so that you can try and really spend your time and shape your role and expend your energy on things you're excellent at because you're going to produce great results your impact will be massive and people will recognize you for that and in, in, in the system, quote unquote air quotes here, system will reward you for that versus toiling away against, um, you know, kind of hitting your head against a brick wall while you try to learn something that perhaps doesn't play to your strengths. I recognize I'm coming from a point where I've been working for, you know, a long time. And it, I think early in my career, if I was a newbie, that would be a really hard thing to understand what I'm good at and what I'm not. And so I think taking the time to invest in yourself and understand what you're good at and what you want to do and how those things can become more closely aligned. That's really important. The second thing I would say to, to help you feel and be more unapologetically yourself at work is to get a group of, um, I guess, allies, lowercase a allies have, have people who are, in your department, out of your department, superior to you, um, who are on your team working with you, people outside your organization who can call you on your BS, I don't know if we can swear on this podcast, uh, who can coach you and encourage you, and who can also offer you that advice, and, and who know what you're good at and can help guide you. Because if you are 
trying to be yourself and that you want that to really work for you, it's important other people know who that real you is as well. And so that they can, they can stand beside you uh, or behind you or, or lift you up when you need uh, to help you on that journey. So it is less lonely. Mm. So I want to know how this impacts your life um, or your world outside of work and specifically speaking in the world of work. And um, if I can clarify that, I think, you know, the idea that after work, and perhaps this is a total story and not the way it, it actually exists, but I feel like after work is when the guys get together and have beer. And do women join or is it about what events do we go to or do you create your own group? Do you, are you like, Hey, one for all and all for one, I'm here for the beer. Um, how do you take your unapologetic self and, and determine how you'll show up, what you'll show up to outside of work at those functions, events, meetings that you know impact how people view you in the office? Yes, that is a great question. I, I would, encourage anyone who's listening if you don't know the answer how you would answer that question i'm sitting here like jotting down how i need to go be more purposeful about that i think you said how do you decide i think you should so we should i should set up that criteria and go is it going to help me achieve this goal or you know is it going to fulfill some xyz i think that's really important so that we aren't being aimless so definitely doing it with intention Mm. not just because it feels like FOMO uh, because <laughs> right. that's real. Yeah. But I, I had a good gut feeling once I was excluded from a, a dinner and it happened to be all men. I don't think anyone planned it that way. It just was. And it was with one, uh, you know, in, in an old company um, with a partner or potential partner. And I just, I kind of barged my way in there, not like big brute force, but I, I definitely, you know, I gently nudged, well, if this is the goal of the partnership, are you trying to also do X, Y, Z? And do you need insight on um, these things? And the answer was yes. I said, well, I think the people who I can see that are currently attending are probably not going to be able to help answer those really detailed questions. And given my area, I think that would be great uh, if I joined and could, could do that. And everyone was like, great, sounds good. And I went and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was the only one they were asking questions to. Yeah. I was the only one that they were directing their attention to and not in like they were the questions they wanted answers to. I was the one answering them. No one else could speak for me at that time. And um, we wound up, you know, we wound up doing a partnership with them and, and they were, Hey, is Emily going to be on this call? Hey, is Emily going to be participating? Hey, uh, you know, did Emily oversee this and sign off on this? And it was very, they knew what they wanted. And to them, it was just, who knows their, who knows what they're talking about. And in that case, it was me. And so it was, it was less about in that instance. And sometimes I think I've probably got a couple other examples, but they, it wasn't about, Oh, I was left out. It was what, what capacities, what work capacities, are missing from this outing that I should be there to fulfill. Right. And in that one, that was an easy one. I think a lot of the social stuff, I don't know. I've never been in the in crowd. I've never been the cool one at work. I'm a mom. Um, She's the coolest in the mom <laughs> groups. No, like I was just, no, never. But I, 
I have to, I definitely have the FOMO. I watch, you know, other people talk about, oh, we're all doing this together. People are like going out and they're out until 2am going to concerts. And that's just not me. And so I know what I need to do to function really well. And major partying phase in my life is over. And, and that comes definitely comes at the cost of some social, um, connections at work. Yeah. Uh, but I, I find mine elsewhere. I think I spend a lot more time investing in a really healthy relationships that I have. And sometimes those are independent from work. Work is not the be all end all. Yeah. And I need to just, you know, shoot the breeze with, with people who have no idea about the tech industry. And that's my favorite, my group, right. Right? group, group of women there. They're actually, they're all moms and we love, we love racing together and that's doing triathlons awesome. and stuff. And like, they don't care about my job. They don't care about work. They don't care about any of that stuff. They're just like, how are you? Yeah. Are you? And, and there's a richness to really rounding out those social connections outside of work. And so I definitely would encourage people to do that too. Yeah. It's, it's so awesome. I have the pleasure of course, daily of chatting with people that typically want or are interested in new jobs. And mm -hmm. some of my favorite people to talk to are the ones that are currently unemployed and have turned the corner of being okay with it because they don't feel they need to qualify themselves with, I am Jane Smith and I'm the VP mm -hmm. of X at company Y. It's so struggle with that so hard. Right. I'm like, <laughs> right. So you're weird. just, you're perfectly awesomely Jane. Like I, mm -hmm. I actually have your resume. I can see everything you've done. And the reason I want to talk to you is because I want to know everything that's not on this resume. And, um, mm -hmm. and socially we just get caught up in we totally Where are do. you and what do you, I still yeah. do. Yeah. You asked today, you said, what is your role? And I, 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 it, it, I had to chew it around in my mouth a little bit. I, you know, I went from founding my own company, growing that and selling it and then helped, you know, an extremely fast growing company scale as a, as an executive. And now I'm in this massive public company and no one knows who I am. My scope is so tiny <laughs> and it's so different. It's yeah. so great, but also I don't, I, I shy away from it and, and I'm really struggling with that. My husband, Greg, he kind of, he ribs me about it because he's like, you need to get over that. That's so ridiculous. Right. But it's a thing we identify yeah. we're, when, when we're that way. I'm a founder, I'm a VC, I'm an yeah. executive, I'm a leader, like those, yeah. ugh. You're totally. just a person. You have a job. <laughs> Someone pays you. The government takes half of that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I hope there's more. Well, again, um, perfect segue. I want to know about managing your life. Um, you've mentioned um, that you are a mom. You've mentioned that you have rad friends that do triathlon. I'm biased. I, I, I'm into that. Um, <laughs> but it's also exhausting working in tech because there is not a story, probably a fact that people in tech work hard, long hours, and there's always something launching, something breaking. Um, there's a speed at which tech moves and it's typically called fast. Uh, <laughs> I want to know how you take that life and merge that life with other pursuits, be it triathlon or motherhood you have an awesome husband how 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 does it work what can you tell us <laughs> like, how do you manage your life my first thought was I don't uh, <laughs> it's, I read a great quote the other day 
and it, it, it how did it go? I'm going to butcher it. It said, if you want to stop drowning, start swimming. Mm. And I loved that because yeah. I can very, I, I become overwhelmed sometimes. Um, and with, with all the, the curveballs life throws and uh, that was a really nice perspective change. So for me, I think, um, I, I could say, Oh, I just do it and make no big deal. But no, I have a daycare that has extended hours. I I'll tell you all my secrets. I have meal delivery service. How many uh, meals? Like, uh, do you do like, three meals a day or no, what? no, like dinners, dinners. dinners. Okay. Um, and does it come prepared or do you have to make it prepared? I don't oh, have prepared. time to make it. Yeah. So okay. weekends, Great. weekends in Vancouver, you know, we go down, you know, Granville Island or a market somewhere and pick up stuff and, and cook a meal together. So we still have that practice. I really like that ritual with my family. I like to, I like the kids to see that and participate in that. But I mean, during the week, no. Um, yeah. And I, I love the keto diet, not because it's a huge fad, but because you can swing it so that you only have two massive meals a day. And that's easier for me than having three. <laughs> Got it. Um, babysitters. I, I like there's, it's so necessary. DoorDash. And uh, frankly, a, a feminist husband who works very hard alongside me to balance the load as much as possible. Right. Um, I've had to learn to ask for help. That's very, very challenging. We, uh, you know, in Vancouver, we had our village where, you know, a kid's sick or somebody's in the hospital or, or whatever. And, and you, you send out that, that fire alarm to them and somebody yeah. drops off dinner. And it's so important to have that village. But um, how do I, sometimes it feels like drowning. Sometimes I feel like I have it together. I find the, the life admin, like forms and claims and kid childcare and school, I, I get a little bit overwhelmed about that stuff. I should be more purposeful about carving out specific time. Mm. Um, but we were very, there were six months of our lives where we had a sitter every Saturday for a few hours so that we could do the rest of the work that we needed to do Monday to Friday. That wow. um, we've put, we've put the end to that. That's just not, that, that was a, that was a bandaid that was not fixing the, mm -hmm. the actual root of the problem. So um, it's nice. I, I, I always talk about Greg when, when we talk about how do I manage this because he's right there with me. Uh, I, I'm very, very lucky. It is, ex I would say unconventional still. I have a lot of moms who say, Oh, Greg does so much. Um, no, we do the same amount. Um, right. it's just, really, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's weird to look at it because it's, it's, it's less common. It's certainly right. not what he and I grew up with. I know. I mean, we never know what goes on behind closed doors and other families. Right. But, but we know what we grew up with and it looks different. Yeah. And, and he, we really try and support each other. Um, if I have an event, uh, I'm out networking or out at a dinner or something, there's several nights a week where one of us has to be somewhere and we really just try and communicate and, and figure that out. I think having, when we have, when you have kids having a partner um, that really is on your team uh, is, is really important. Yeah. And I, I am so into grocery delivery and meal prep and, and yeah. at this point in our lives, really outsourcing that stuff as much as possible um, yeah. so that we can be that much more present with the kids when we're with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
doesn't it make you just look back and think, I mean, you say all of this and I'm like, this is hours of your week that you're saving. And don't, I, I, I just look in awe at my own parents and think, how did they ever do it? Like, how did we always have fresh fruit? <laughs> how, how? I, I totally agree. That, th- that's interesting though. I, I will, I'm going to interview you someday because I have so many questions. I, I will say my tidbit on that is we, I will take a note from that. I'll go, you know, my parents rarely watch television. My parents mm-hmm. never had to deal, thank goodness, with social media. And yeah. they had their every month, once a month, they had their dinner with their friends. And so yeah. they had a very, they really stripped it down to what really mattered to them. Yeah. And so taking, taking those cues, it might look a little bit different, but taking those cues that, again, those kind of value-based decisions yeah. and how they want to spend their time and what they wanted to show their kids. And, and I think that can really stick through generation to generation. Absolutely. I wouldn't want to know how many hours I spend on social, like especially the not mindful ones. But you do it for work too, don't you? Like, well, I think, I, put the all, time in there. I think it's all, I don't view any of it as work and I think all of it is work. You know, it's how we're showing up and mm-hmm. it's totally. the beauty of being connected. And, and I don't want, I mean, I do, I can admit that I do not watch TV. I do not know how to turn our TV on. Um, I'm really awesome. It's one of my favorite qualities. I've also only seen seven movies in my life, so I don't watch movies. And when, with all of that time that I save, I sleep. The downside mm-hmm. is I probably spend too much time on social and when you tell me about your parents then I think right they didn't have Instagram Mm -hmm. um and that makes me embarrassed okay not at all it's a way of communicating don't feel no shame in the Instagram (laughs) game it's just being purposeful about it I think the biggest thing that comes up for me there is the uh, then we need to be really aware of the mental health impacts of social media there's been a ton of studies done it's it's that mindless scrolling that'll get you down and yeah. we need to be really careful of that especially as we um we move away from more face-to-face communication and that's how we we really rate and gauge our friendships with people mm, it's so true so so true i mean there's so much more love to give than an emoji you know oh, but i do love emojis i know especially the poo emoji it's my favorite <laughs> might be a mom thing it's totally Um, (laughs) busted okay our last question I hate this I always feel like I'm running out of time but I could go on and on the time has come our favorite last question at team corker is what is currently making your heart beat faster Emily oh that's such a good one I am can I say three things? They kind of all go together. I love learning all the ins and outs of a new company. There's Mm. something about that, that, uh, the honeymoon phase of a new company where you you really have no idea. You think you know what's going on, but you maybe know 2% of what's going on. So learning all those intricate in and outs, um, all the different dynamics to a new company. So I'm really enjoying that at Shopify. Uh, And then while that's happening, exploring Toronto. I love Vancouver. I love Toronto and, and it's so different and I'm really enjoying that. That's making my heart beat faster. I get excited about going to see new parks and new restaurants and new people. It's really, really lovely. And of course, watching all of that is so cheesy, but yep, going to end on the mom note and watching it all through the eyes of my kids, watching mm. them learn 
and explore as a two and four year old is just so cool. That's, that's so fulfilling. Um, and so that's what those three things are making my heart beat faster. Great question. That's awesome. Um, I super appreciate your time. I know it's special and sacred and I love these conversations. So thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. I love your questions and I love what you're doing. I think it's a really wonderful thing and we need more of it. So thank you. I promise not to stop if you promise to take on one more panel. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. I'm going to sign you up for the next one. Next time someone asks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have a good one. Thanks so much. Thanks.